Today's episode of The Thriller Zone with David Temple is sponsored by The Story Factory and the visionary genre-bending debut novel Grand Theft AI by James Cox. The Matrix meets Blade Runner. Grand Theft AI is available now for pre-order from your favorite bookseller. Welcome to The Thriller Zone. I'm your host, David Temple. And this week feels kind of like old home week in that our guest today is currently living in my old neck of the woods. Now, she's an Illinois native, but she is now living in North Carolina. Who am I talking about? Tracy Devlin. Her book is Flashpoint, and it is a barn burner. Well, it's hot in many ways, which we're going to find a, <laughs> which we're going to find out about very shortly. So, you know what? Heck, let's get right on to it. Happy Monday. Here's Tracy Devlin, our latest thriller writer on The Thriller Zone. Hey, David. How are you, Tracy? I'm doing fine. How are you doing? Superb. Is that a real, actual background, or is that a Zoom background? Oh, yeah. No, that's that's my office. <laughs> that's sweet. <laughs> Thank you. That is super sweet. Let's see, that's pine on the top, and that looks like oak on the floor. Wow, you got a good eye. <laughs> I'll play you. This boy's from North Carolina. I know my wood. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> We're going to talk about that in a very short bit. I'm very excited to have you here. I had no idea. All right, this is going to sound really kind of dumb, but you know me. I'm just kind of shoot from the hip. You're really a big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you, <laughs> yeah. You, you, no, let me tell you something. We're going to get to Flashpoint, by the way, which is part of the Blackwell's novel uh, series. Um, but no, no, no. You're a USA Today bestseller, and that doesn't come easily. And just wait till everybody finds out what I have learned uh, in the last few days. Uh -oh. Yeah, um, about you, young. Searching. <laughs> oh. See, you make my hands break out in sweat just talking about stuff like that. <laughs> See, girl, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna sport my North Carolina accent. I'm a little bit of a private investigator by nature. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I know. I I knew and knew that about you coming into this. <laughs> I knew you would dig. It's so it'll be fun. There's a few things I may, I'm going to, I've got, I'm holding off onto the side, but I may bring them out if I want to. Uh, be gentle. Please. I will. <laughs> All right. Like I said, Flashpoint is coming. Great. I, I can tell you, I knew exactly who this was. The cover designer was uh, Stuart Bosch, I want to say. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Very good. I, yeah. I know Stuart Bosch's style. He does well amazing done. work. Just so, so good. But I want to start off with, as I get to know you, Tracy, and I feel like I already know you because we've spent so much time following each other on social media and you you interact so graciously. You. <laughs> What's that? Me harassing you. You take harassment so well. I appreciate that. Nah, it's all part of the deal. I like it. <laughs> um, but I, I do want to get to know you. And I see that we have something mutual besides our love of wooden interiors. Mm. All right. You're an Illinois native. And once, and I once had several radio shows in Chicago. Mm -hmm. I was born in North Carolina, and now you call it home. Isn't that quite crazy? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to guess Asheville. I'm about an hour from Asheville. In which direction? Don't tell I'm me the in, town. Uh, east, kind of southeast. I'm in the, if you know where Marion is located, I'm south of Marion. Okay, watch this. I'm in the foothills of the Blue Ridge is how they put it. So. Watch this. You saw Tammy took a fall. My wife, yeah. Tammy, took a fall, broke her kneecap. Oh, she broke it? Oh, broke my it. Gosh. Lateral break right across the kneecap. She was running, didn't see yeah. a buckle in the sidewalk. If, she ha if that hadn't happened, I would be sitting in Marion right now. Oh, my gosh. Because... My sister and her partner are building a home in Marion, and we were going to celebrate her birthday in Asheville. 
Oh, how cool. Oh my gosh, that's great. Small world, as they say. Small world indeed. <laughs> my sister loves Marion. Now yeah. we lived in Charlotte. I, you know, forever. She was there like 30 years, 30, 30, 33 years. I was there 20. So yeah. Nowhere else can you get a book Bigfoot festival. Nowhere else. Baby. <laughs> You got that right. <laughs> Marion, oh my God, wait till I tell her because she and she oh loves yeah. she loves your style of books, which we're gonna get to. Oh. I mean, yeah, thrillers, yeah. but there's a lot of other a lot of other things I found out a little about Miss Devlin that I did not know <laughs> about. All right. Now, next, also, um, you are the first thriller writer, first author on the show that is both crafting thrillers, I love this, and writing both contemporary and historical suspense, and with elements of mystery and romance and environmental crime. I mean, this is what I meant at the top when I said you're some kind of big deal. I mean, who writes that broad of a spectrum and still keeps it all, you know, in that thriller-ish world? Yeah, it's it's been an interesting journey. Uh, whenever I, whenever I first started out, I guess. Oh gosh, it's been a couple of decades ago now. Just reading, reading, reading. I read a lot of historical romance, and because that's primarily what I read, um, whenever I decided, oh, I'd like to try and do this. Naturally, I went to writing historical romance, and I really enjoyed it. I think I had a good voice for it and that sort of thing. But my editor at the time, I was my trilogy was published through Sourcebooks. I'm not sure if you're familiar with them or not, but mm -hmm. my editor at the time absolutely refused to let me let me call it a historical romantic thriller. She she didn't want thriller in there at all. And so I got to think, well, maybe it's not a thriller. Maybe I just, <laughs> I mean, my opening scene in my debut novel is 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 the heroine in a torture chamber, <laughs> in a French torture chamber. <laughs> so I don't know what's wrong with me. But anyway, so I started out that way. And then as genres can do, they, it, historical romance kind of took a nosedive. It went through one of its little deaths. And so I had a couple of really good uh, author friends that we started talking about it. And we we're like, well, hey, why don't we try and create this contemporary world? And I'm like, I'm game. What am I going to do at this point? I can't sell historical romance right now. So we all started writing in this world, and that's when I started writing the contemporary romantic suspense, which I think really veers more into romantic thrillers at this point. Yeah, well, as a uh, as a way to ease myself into the world of uh, Devlin, as as I would, or should I say, Steel Ridge? Yeah, Steel. I Ridge. see that not only is your book published by Steel Ridge Publishing, but you have a an entire Steel Ridge universe, which yeah. is made up of you and your partners. Let's see, uh, Kelsey Browning and Adrian Giordano, right? Yes. And tell me more about that because here's what I here's what I love. You pick this up and you're like, oh, okay, it's a woman in trouble and fire. It's a thriller. And then you then you look inside here for those uh, with video, <laughs> and you go, okay, well, we got Steel Ridge, the Blackwells, two books. Steel Ridge, the Steels, eight books. Steel Ridge, the Kingstons, five books. Steel Ridge, Christmas Capers, twelve <laughs> books. And that's not even counting your Nexus Spymaster series and your Bones and Gemstone series. I mean, 35-ish, 34, 33, 35-ish books, right? Yeah, that 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 we all wrote. Uh, obviously, yeah. I had I had hope there, but no, we we did it. Um, like I said, we did it to try and um, find a find a way for all of us to to work together, and it was a little strategic too because rather than I'm a slow writer. So one book a year, one and a half books a year, maybe. Uh, so with the three of us writing in the same world, we could publish three books a year. Right. So that strategically that that's a much better business decision for us. 
And, uh, but it was just, it was a ton of fun. We actually, the first time that we got, the first time we really started talking about it, we uh, actually came and uh, stayed in uh, Asheville and we did a writer's retreat in Asheville. Great and, place to do it. Yeah. yeah it, was, it was wonderful. And uh, so anyway, we, we basically came up with this concept of Steel Ridge, North Carolina, even small towns have secrets is our little byline and uh, Steel Ridge is low. You'll, you'll probably recognize these locations, but Steel Ridge geographically is located uh, west of Asheville where Waynesville is. <laughs> okay. Here's my connection to Waynesville. I shot a movie in Waynesville called Chasing Grace, yeah, which was based on my first book, Discovering Grace. But when I was growing up, my dad used to belong to the Methodist Conference. So we'd go up to um, Lake Junaluska, which is right there at Waynesville. And so it was time to shoot the movie. I'm like, hey, I'm going to go back to my roots. Not trying to steal your show here, though. No, good. And, and we shot it in Waynesville, one of the most charming, wonderful little towns in all of North Carolina. It is. It's just, it's so, when you think about mountain town. Yeah. It's, it's like the perfect image of mountain yeah. town. And so... That's uh, geographically where we set it. It's a little bit of a mishmash between Waynesville and Hendersonville as far as the way the town looks and operates and everything. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I wanted to approach it more from a, kind of the natural world. Uh, Adrian, she's, she's all about, she's like a crime fiction. She's a really good crime. She's about the, the, the police procedurals, FBI, CIA, those types of things. And then Kelsey was a very straight contemporary romance. So she's all about the people the you know, the, the, the relationships with the different people. And, and, uh, she's always wanting to know what, what the motivations are and things like that. So when we would get together to, um, plot out these books, we would bring all of these, I guess, strengths of art, you know, that we that we would bring to the process, and uh, it it just it made it a lot of fun, and and um, so yeah, no, it's it's been a great it's been a great ride. I'm uh, I'm grinning like a like a kid at Christmas because uh, the connections, and you mentioned Hendersonville. So my brother and his wife and three daughters live in Hendersonville, oh, and so then Barb and Brenda live in Marion. My other sister lives in Charlotte, and I was born in Winston-Salem. So Okay. All right. Yeah. I've been Bar to Winston-Salem once. Yeah. That's I can't all remember you. what the name of the little – it's like a – oh, shoot. I just lost the name. It's it's like a historic village that's there. That Salem. Is that – it's like a historic – okay. Salem yeah, Village. The, there, there was an apothecary in there that I went and just talked their – talk their ear off. I'm very into that whole apothecary herbal medicinal type stuff. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. Salem's where uh, all my families, uh, my parents are buried. So yeah. okay. okay, a lot of connection to North Carolina yeah. anyway. So here's what's so cool. Um, uh, you have all these different styles and <laughs> I got to get to this because I'm sitting here Here's one of the secrets about me. I don't tend to, <clears throat> I often will not read the blurb or, you know, the, the jacket. I won't, sometimes I won't read blurbs, blurbs at all. I reached out, we, we connected somehow over social media, of course, and so forth and so on. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I like the cover. I like, I, there was something about it. Oh, it's FBI special. And then I stopped. I didn't go any further. And I didn't know about your romantic. Your romantic background. Where's my sexy music? Yeah. <laughs> and then I almost, I, you know, I do this feature called If This Scene Could Talk. Yes. I almost pulled out because I'm, I'm at chapter 43 at, at the time. And I'm like, and maybe it happened earlier, but 43 sticks out in my mind. I'm like, oh, 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 baby. <laughs> uh-huh did you Wait call tammy into the room tammy tammy you got a couple of minutes here i need to uh compare some notes with you darling yeah, right. holy moly yeah so so this is the first thriller i've read where i'm like i'm a little hot and bothered baby can you let's compare notes i mean and anyway. my my writing is pretty tame compared to some 
romance authors. So, yeah. Yeah. It's about middle of the road. It's no Fifty Shades of Grey, but it it did get my mind to wondering. (laughs) (laughs) It got my mind into wondering. (laughs) All right. So this is what I, so I'm digging into your website and it looks like you and your partners here are doing uh, your it looks like it's your own publishing company. So my question is, would you call this traditional publishing, self-publishing, hybrid? How, what would you call it? I call it self-publishing, independent publishing for sure. Um, we we created the we created a publishing company so that we could share all of the expenses, publish it underneath you know one consistent. I publish it in one consistent way. Sure. And then that way, if something ever happened to the partnership, you know, it's kind of like um, Andrews and Wilson, you know, how they'll, oh, yeah. they'll write a book and they, they, it's basically co-authored. Right. Well, all of our books, as you showed with the cover, we, we write them individually. So they are standalone books. And if, if anything ever happened to the partnership, you know, we could get our rights back from Steel Ridge Publishing and we could, you know, just republish them ourselves if we wanted to. So it just made everything easier on the administrative side. And I guess the bigger question is, and if and if it's digging a little bit too deep, just tell me to back off. But you retain all rights, you retain all control, you retain all income. So are you and, and you're still selling via Amazon so you're getting a split of Amazon, as we all know, <clears throat> somewhere between 30 and 70%. But you also are doing something that's really super sweet. And I, I wondered, like when I got into self-publishing about 2005, six, seven, somewhere in there, I thought, why is there not a situation where you could come to my website we'll call it davidtemple.com, and buy a book directly from me. Now, of course, I would have to have it on site and package it and ship it. So there's that cost. However, if I can get a bulk discount, and I realize I'm talking business here, but you're you're living yeah. a lot of the shop, so it's good for me to talk shop talk. Yep. So let's say, for instance, I can get the books uh, in volume at a drastically reduced price and I get a discount on shipping. So now I have total control and I make a larger percentage. And that was with a company called PayHip. Mm-hmm. So that's now come out. So the advantage to PayHip is, is it this, that you're, you're, you're at a secure Pass through, in other words, it's kind of like Stripe or PayPal. Although with PayHip, you're still paying those fees. How, does that make sense? And how does that work? Yeah, no, PayHip works with BookFunnel. So PayHip is going to be primarily for eBooks, the sale of eBooks, and so it works with BookFunnel. And BookFunnel is the mechanism to distribute the book to the consumer or the reader, right? Right. Uh, there's also WooCommerce mm-hmm. that can work with your website and Shopify. And, uh, you know, some of those, they might have um, connections with other companies where you could just distribute it. Mm-hmm. Even with like your print book, you could you could use those other companies to distribute your book. Um, I, I chose PayHip or we chose PayHip just because if somebody does buy a print book from us, you know, we'd like to sign it and, and, and um, sign it to them and autograph it and that sort of thing. But if you don't care about that, you just want to, you know, send them the book, you can, you can go that other route as well, but pay hip. Yeah. You, you know, you're getting 95% of the profits and you get it immediately. You're not waiting 30, 60, 90 days for your money. Uh, they get it immediately, you know, so it comes, it's, so it's, it's just, it's just an, it's just another way of getting your, your, your revenue of selling your book. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, we're published wide. So we're an Amazon, Kobo, Barnes and Noble, Google, all of those places. So you really do have the best of all worlds minus perhaps the marketing machine of, say, a Simon & Schuster, first one that popped into my head. Right. So they have a volume of 
cash and, and resources that takes a Tracy book and shoves it out into the universe. So that's really one of the few differences in it. Yeah. I, you know, honestly, it's because I, I had the publisher, you know, with my first three books and I really enjoyed, I loved working with a team, you know, you contact your publicist and you could ask for pretty much anything and they never told me no. <laughs> I mean, so it was nice that way because you're working with a team and you really wrote the book and then you got the, you know, you got the, the, the galleys in and, and those types of things. They, they, they pretty much, they pretty much guided the train, right? So they they were the ones who were in, in control of it. And and I had a smaller piece of it. Whenever you're self-publishing, the whole train is short. Yeah. You're guiding it. You're on it. You're 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 coming up from behind too, and it's just it, it's it can be a lot. It can be a lot, and if you're not disciplined, you know, it's going to be tough to be successful in it. So you have to really kind of think about those things whenever you're trying to decide what 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 you want to do. There's some really neat things with self-publishing, like the cover. Um, you know, I, I don't want to say total control because I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not in marketing. I'm not a cover designer. So I'm not going to know exactly how to, I wouldn't know how to put together a cover, right? So when we work with cover artists and we've worked with a few, uh, they give us a couple of different options and that's what we need. It's like, okay, yes, this, but let's do this, this, and this, you know, let's change it this way. And it's just, it's a, it's a nice, fun collaboration that way. And uh, so whenever I got my cover from my publisher, it's like, oh, we really love this cover, don't you? <laughs> you know? So it's like, yes, I do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, there's some, you know, each, each path has some pros and cons. Uh, for me, I would love to, to be what they call it, the hybrid author. I would love to continue doing some self-publishing and getting that creative outlet that way. But I'd also love to work with a publisher who can help get your name out and get it in front of places that perhaps I wouldn't be able to do so as a self-publisher, as a self-published author. Well, that always, that begs a question here, because uh, I'm thinking to myself, I spoke with uh, Dean Kuntz on the show, mm-hmm. and he was, he's now completely with, I think, Thomas Mercer. Yes. Right? So, you take a guy of that size and that prolificness, if that's mm-hmm. even a word, and you go to Amazon, and they, they're a one-stop shop. So, they're, you're the publisher and the distributor simultaneously. Now, when you're that big, I understand you're going to get a pretty nice size of the pie. <laughs> I get that. But for those who are new to publishing, self-publishing in particular, who are maybe even new to this show, and since you come to me for not only great interviews like with Tracy, but you get some of that inside business knowledge, let me tell you this, because um, having turned my first book into a film and selling it to Netflix and Amazon Prime, et cetera, and getting it out into the public, there's a little something a lot of people don't know about. When you go, hey, listen, I need you to ship 500 DVDs to the store. You may remember DVDs from back in the day. Yeah. Um, there's a little tally somewhere going on where you're, you're, yeah, no, we sent 500. Now there's a markup on those 500. They're, you're paying for everything. Yes. Uh, when when you say, oh, they didn't, they never said no to me. Well, they it's not in their best interest to say no because <laughs> they're they're tacking fees on top of everything. So, which is why when you see a movie made, it takes forever to make your money back mm-hmm. because the distributor is. Uh, let's just say that there's a whole lot of book keep, bookkeeping that you don't get to see. Wow. Wow. We'll leave, leave it at that. Yeah, that's that's got to be tough, super tough. And listen, and I've I talk to all kinds of folks here on the show. I talk to traditionally published, and they go, "Hey, we'll call the name Susie. Susie, I love it because they do everything. I write the books, and then they do it. Well, I have to do a little social media. Then you have the other people go. I li- I'm a, a little bit of a control freak, so I like it because the, I have a team, but I'm really invested in that team." 
And then you have the other group that says, I'm self-published. I I just want to have all the control myself. Then you have that fractional point that go, a uh, part that goes, well, I'd really like to be able to have everyone else do all the heavy lifting, but I could just write my books and maybe occasionally throw up something on uh, Facebook or Instagram. And I'm like, <laughs> never really quite works like that. No, no, it doesn't. I mean, there's a lot of hard work in both paths. I mean, there's just no getting around. You're going to be doing marketing, whether you're traditionally published or self-published. And um, I think the the big difference to me is is that as a self-published author, you have to you have to be able to think of everything. You have to, you have to be able to, to know you know, the right course that you want to take. And uh, you have to keep track of all the details, all the little details, which I can't even find the ketchup in the cupboard. So the little details are really kind of frustrating for me. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, and so that's what I loved about traditional publishing is that they help you, you know, they have your back, so to speak. And that's, what's been nice about working with Adrian and Kelsey is that if I don't think about everything, they're going to think about the things that I forget and vice versa. So having kind of the, the partnership that we have, we, we complement each other really, really well. I guess it begs the question, why did you leave traditional? Outside of the fact that I see you have a very successful uh, enterprise here, but what, what made you go, yeah, I'm out? It was um, it was historical romance went through one of its oh. little deaths and my and I had an agent. I actually I was with Donald Moss. You know? Oh, he was my agent. Hi. My, and um, so I, we just we couldn't um, we couldn't sell another historical romance at that time for whatever reason. And uh, so, yeah, if if that hadn't happened. Who knows? I might still be, you know, writing historical. I asked a very prolific author. I'm going to keep his name out of it for whatever reason. And I said, hey, dude, um, you're so good in the thriller world, but your tastes and your interests are so vast. Do you ever have an interest in writing another type? And he says, like, what? I'm like, and I just the very first thing I pulled out of my head was romance. No, I would never write that. Well, okay. Well, cause you probably never read it. Yeah. Never read one in my life. But I, but then I talked to other people go, dude, I would love to do that. I'd love to be John writing this. And I'd love to be Sally writing this, you know, I get a pen name. Nobody knows the difference, but I get to exercise those muscles. So is there a big differentiation in your mind as you're writing? Hey, as I'm writing flashpoint and this thriller and this FBI agent, and this Zeke Blackwell and bop, 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 bop. Oh, but there's so much romance too. And all I'm when I use the word romance, there's just some hot sex going on. That's let's just call it what it is. <laughs> no I, need to filter on my behalf. <laughs> baby, I've done I have done forgot my question. I guess it's this. When you sit down to write historical romance, we'll say, does your brain go, mm, okay, historical romance over here, uh, romantic thriller over here? So I haven't written a, a historical romance since 2015, I think. So I've been primarily just contemporary romantic suspense, romantic thrillers since then. But <laughs> my voice can be very formal at times. I don't know why I don't speak that way. That's not Tracy. I'm as about I'm as down to earth, and I mean, this is dressed up for me. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so I'm normally. <laughs> I'm normally in my khakis and, and, you know, ready to go out, you know, spend some time outside. But so I don't know where that comes from. It might have just been years and years of reading historical romance, but there's just a formalness to historical romance just in the way that they talk. And I that was the hardest thing for me to break whenever I went from historical to contemporary. And I remember one time uh, I was writing way that it works with the partnership is that we own characters, right? So I own certain characters and the other two ladies do as well. And so if we're writing one of their characters and they read it because they, you know, they do a beta read, 
they read it and they're like, no, no, this isn't, this isn't quite right. I think, you know, he or she would say this and then, you know, they would rewrite it. Well, there was one point where I was, I don't even remember exactly what I wrote, but I wrote something about one of Kelsey's characters and she's like, Tracy, a dude in 2000, whatever it was, 17, 18 is not going to say indeed. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> so there's like little things like that, that creep in even, even with this, this, you know, last book that I wrote creep in. So my editors have to watch me a little bit sometimes. Tracy inside scoop. It's 2022. I'm 60 plus, And I use the word indeed all the time. All right. I'm glad. I don't feel so bad now. Yeah. I mean, come on. Hey, David, that was a, that was a spectacular dinner, wasn't it? Indeed. Indeed it was. I like words. I'm going to use the words however the hell I want to. There you okay, go. Okay, cool. Okay, let's take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to meet the two main characters of Flashpoint. Stay with us. David Temple here for Warwick's Bookstore. You know, one of my favorite things in the world to do is go find a favorite bookstore, spend a couple of hours milling about, looking at books. And if they have great customer service, it's a big bonus. You get that at Warwick's Bookstores. They're our brand new sponsor, and we are thrilled to have them here. Located in the village of La Jolla, that's just right down the road here in San Diego area, Warwick's is the country's oldest continuously family-owned and operated bookstore. And let me tell you something, folks. In addition to those highly curated selection of books, Warwick's regularly hosts author events and signings. Yeah, I've met more great authors by just driving down about 25 minutes here from Encinitas to Warwick's and see them and meet them and hear their story. But beyond books, Warwick's is also really known for its extensive, beautiful, and unusual selection of gifts. Now, Nancy goes out of her way to get really one-of-a-kind gifts. Jewelry, stationery, fine pens, one of my favorites, leather, office, and art supplies. And how about this? Complimentary gift wrapping and free parking behind the store. So if you're in the area, check them out. If you're not in the area, but you'd like to still check them out, warwicks.com. You can do all the same right there on the website that you can do in person. Matter of fact, they process phone, web, and curbside orders daily. That's Warwick's Bookstores and warwicks.com. Let me ask you something. How many times have you built a website or thought about building a website or hired someone to build a website that you thought, this is going to be it? Oh, it's going to be spectacular. And it's okay for a while and it's kind of pretty, but it soon breaks or gets hacked or falls apart. Or how about this? The kid that you hired to build it holds your material hostage asking for more money. Yeah, all of those things have happened to me in the past. And I was a website builder at one time. AuthorBytes.com is a hosting company that does things right. Rock solid, 99.999% uptime and 24-hour security that keeps your website protected. You've heard me talk about AuthorBytes.com for some time now. I wouldn't talk about them if I didn't believe in them. Are they perfect? Pretty darn close. Are they super cheap? Maybe not the cheapest, but I'll tell you something. For me and a lot of the other authors you've heard talk about here on the show, being dependable is so important. AuthorBytes.com has a special offer. If you use the code The Thriller Zone and sign up for a one-year contract, check this out. You'll get the first three months free. That's a company that stands behind their products. Sign up for a one-year contract, get the first three months free using the code The Thriller Zone. Trust me, you'll be very happy. That's authorbytes.com. Dave Temple here with a big congratulations to our recent winners of The Big Dark Sky by Dean Koontz. Want to say congratulations to Marion Apgar of Course Gold, California, and William Yi of Elisa Viejo, California. Looks like California listeners are loving the Thriller Zone. Anyway, once again, congratulations. You won your copies of The Big Dark Sky by Dean Koontz. Those are in the mail and should be to you this week. 
Also, coming up later this month, we have another chance for you to win some of the best thrillers from the best thriller writers in the world. Here's just a couple of the names you'll be hearing from. Meg Gardner, Nick Petrie, Simon Gervais, Haley Sutton, Sarah Pierce, Lucy Clark, Ryan Stack, Jay Todd Scott, Christopher Swan, Riley Sager, and many, many more. And that's just this summer. As always, remember to subscribe, follow, like, and share The Thriller Zone. Your favorite authors, The Thriller Zone. And now, back to the show. Two of your main characters, again, we're talking Flashpoint. Uh, Olivia Westcott, FBI special agent, and Zeke Blackwell. Now, I don't think they're, first side note, I don't think there's any more of a manly name than, <laughs> name is Zeke Blackwell. <laughs> but uh, they're two independent, driven characters. Both got a mind of their own. Both little sex kittens, I think, somewhere along the way. But how much do you share with her and where do you fantasize? I mean, I'm sorry, where did you come up with Zeke? Oh, gosh. Wow. That's a good question. It's Thank funny you. because um, the Blackwell's family, the concept of this family of asset recovery agents, that blossomed about four years ago. We first started talking about it about four years ago. and But we had other books kind of in the lineup that we had to write. And then the pandemic, right? So, <laughs> so things changed. And then, so it took a little while and it went through a lot of different iterations, but we knew that it was originally going to be seven, seven brothers in this family. Some of them were going to be biological and some were going to be, uh, you know, adopted brothers. And then we, whenever uh, one of our partners, uh, Kelsey, she had some family issues going on, so she wasn't going to be able to write in in this uh, particular series. So Adrian and I, we went and we re- went and kind of rehashed and 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 brainstormed and plotted and and chatted a little bit more about it. So literally, this whole concept has gone through I don't even know four or five different iterations. But Zeke was like always one of the, the one of the the main characters that we were going to, to, to use. And he, uh, we, we kind of, we do it a little strategically. It's not very sexy. It's not very, you know, woo woo creative. Uh, we, we used um, Ocean's Eleven as a little bit of a, a, of a reference of uh, inspiration. And so we t- started thinking about, okay, if we've got these, these asset recovery artists, you know, everybody's going to have to have some specialty, right? To help the team to right, recover right. the asset, right? So, perfect, perfect. So Zeke was our our cyber guy, right? So I'm sorry, not Zeke. Zeke, um, I'm, I'm knee deep in the next book. So Rowan is the cyber guy who's, who I'm writing right now. So Zeke was technically the number two guy in this Blackwell Asset Recovery Services organization to his big brother, Ash. And uh, so he's more of like the weapons specialist. He's the breacher, that sort of thing. Um, But he becomes, or right before the story started, he became like the CEO, the driving force of the company. And, and under his, under his leadership, the the company has grown into this multi-million dollar organization. So, but he still, he still, a little resentful of his brother defecting the family business. Basically that's how he looks at it to go and become an FBI agent. And he has some, some very deep seated resentment about that. And that's why bringing in an FBI agent, (laughs) I don't know if you're familiar with the um, author, Linda Howard, uh, but she she said something on the order of if your hero is going to be a, a firefighter, your heroine better be an arsonist. <laughs> Great conflict, right? right. So I do try to keep that in mind whenever I'm building my hero and heroine, my two protagonists. You know, I try to put them as much in conflict as I can. So he's somebody who's used to working. It, he doesn't necessarily have to work inside the law, right? So sure. he. Quite, he'll do whatever it takes to get the job done. Now, 
Liv, Olivia Liv, she's she's an FBI agent. She's gonna she's by the book. And so yeah. there's some conflict there. I do have this question. Do you think will these characters both in and of themselves show up in more yes. Black Will series? Okay. So both the agent and and Zeke, yeah. And more sex like that? Some hot, steamy sex? Not between those two. You get new no? characters, new sex scenes. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, but more more sex, please. More se- <laughs> I'm so happy to hear you excited about it because whenever I reached out to you, whenever I tweeted you that one time about romance, I'm like, oh, I don't know. He's, he might read this book and be like, oh, God. <laughs> uh, I have a confession to make here. First time on the show. Um, all right, let me have it. I like I like me some sex scenes. Okay, all right. Um, I'm not that big of a fan when it goes on and on and on because, and this is why, I would say Tracy, leave a little bit to my imagination. And you do that. You don't you don't go down the rabbit hole of every. You know, it's not Fifty Shades of Grey. It's just not yep. overdone. And I love my wife more than my next breath. And and she she rings all the bells. But you know, I'm a guy and every once in a while when you're reading something completely different, honey, that has nothing to do with us, <laughs> it does make you go, oh, damn. Research. Yeah, I'm just doing, I'm doing research, honey. All right, here's another confession I have. Hang on one second, because I, I think it's hanging in my my literary closet. One second. Okay, what you can't see is David has run over, uh, I mean me, I have run over to my closet to get something out of it and pull it off the wall. Here I come back. All right. I'm doing this because I feel very, I feel close to you. I feel like we're friends. All right. I would not ordinarily do this. I have in my hand, oh my God, I'm going to get so much shit for this. When it was the uh, pandemic, and I'm going to hold it at a distance so you can't really (laughs) read it. But this is my idea of a romance series. Okay. So I came up with family one, family, I got family one, family two, family three, family four, and then uh, two ideas for standalone romances. And even I've got three pen names. I mean, oh, that's wonderful. This is great. This is how. Thank you for sharing that. That's wonderful. So I don't, I haven't, I don't even know if I've, I may have shown Tammy. Oh my gosh. Well, but, when you when you get the first one written, you send it to me, okay? You send it to me, and we'll chat. Okay. Well, I would come to you as a uh, uh, a consultant because I have. All right, look. Let me just get this out before anybody starts turning off my show. <laughs> I love thrillers. I can't get enough thrillers. I, I like the pages to move as fast as they freaking can because I only have so much time in a day and I want to get inside that world, experience it, and move on. However, I wrote a little Christmas story. When, so when I saw your, I feel like I'm off the beaten path, but it's my show. I can do whatever I want. Um, when I'm looking at your steel ridge and your Christmas capers, yes, I'm like, look, all right, you and I have so many idiosyncratic idiosyncratic uh, similarities it's crazy so I wrote this little Christmas book called A Wonderful Christmas Wish and I wrote it my mother was very sick and she didn't like my thriller stuff because the language is rough bunch of military guys Um, she she did not like my devourer because (laughs) it was a cannibalistic uh, prison warden um, so the really, I gotta confess, I'm not good with people eating people either. <laughs> it's not bad until you try it's not, it. It's one of the uh, few things that can eat me out. <laughs> just try it once. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> so I said, okay, I'm going to write something for her. All right. And so it's a really tiny little ditty and it's, it, and, and I shared it with a few, I didn't even publish it. I just printed it and gave it as Christmas gifts. I had more people come to me and go, dude, why don't you write more of that? I'm like, why? Oh, because it's sweet and it's charming and it's heartfelt. And so 
So that was several years ago. So when the pandemic really hit, I'm like, well, if they said that I could do that, I wonder maybe I could do this. So I'm I'm going to share this. Follow your heart sometimes, you know. You just you, you know, even if if you get to get into it and you decide, ah, no, this this you know that one time was enough for me or whatever. Yeah. But at least then you would know, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Those Christmas capers, those were a lot of fun. Those were actually their epilogues is what their short story epilogues. Oh. So there's 12 of them and there's 12 books. So there's, we've got the steel, the steels, which is the first series, the main series. And then the Kingston's, which is kind of a spinoff series of five books. So oh. those are epilogues for all of those books. And it was just a fun, fun way to, uh, our, our readers like to know what's going on in their lives. And so we threw in some weddings and some babies and some engagements. <laughs> now for my guys who are thriller fans who are listening to this right now and going, what happened with temple? Where did he go off the rails? <laughs> I didn't go off Person the rails. Bad influence. <laughs> I didn't go off the rails folks. Guys stick with me. Uh, I just, listen, I love the process of writing. I love, I love talking to people like you who love, who, who love this and who this is their life work. Um, I'm an artist. You're an artist. We're artists and artists often aren't given the time and the attention and the accolades and the lift that they need. And that's part of the reason I whole started this podcast is because, well, first of all, I love podcasting and because it capitalizes on my former career, but I'm like, you know, we just got to lift everybody up. You know, you hear about even some thriller writers who have been writing in the same series for 12, 14, 17, 20 some odd books. And, you know, and you can tell that they're, they're, they're getting fatigued by staying in that world. And, you know, I think I heard Tess Gerritsen say one time that, you know, she needs to be able to do different things. She's not just writing in the Rizzoli and Isles world. She's doing, I mean, she did science fiction, you know what I mean? She's doing all sorts of interesting things. And I think that, you know, I don't know where, where it started that we can't, <laughs> where did it start that we, we, you know, other than publishers, you know, finding a good thing and they want more of it because it's good for everybody. It's more money for them. It's more money for the authors. I mean, that's all good and everything, but we're creative people by nature. So we need to be able to experiment and and kind of refresh the palette almost. Yeah. And wherever it started, I don't care. It just needs (laughs) turn the big page and uh, move on because you've made the best point ever. It's one of my, it's one of my pet peeves. If I'm a paint, I paint also. So if I paint in acrylic in large format, I like, you know, six by six feet, Mm -hmm. large format. And all of a sudden I go, Hey, I want to experiment in watercolors, uh, like one by two. Are you going to tell me, well, Dave, you know, you can't, you know, as an artist, you gotta, you gotta paint the acrylic. You gotta stick with what you know. Well, yeah, but this is what I know too. It's, it's the same thing with the writing. The imagination is the imagination. It shouldn't be stifled by the the public requirements or a publisher who goes, well, this doesn't sell. I mean, yeah, you do have to be sensitive to that, but an artist is an artist. Mm-hmm. All right. No, I think uh, even, even as painful as it was whenever I went through the death of the historical romance, you know, back in the mid teens, uh, that happening was probably the best thing that happened to me because it, it forced me to expand my repertoire. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I, and, and now I'm even, I'm even moving more towards, I think I'm moving more towards thriller because I feel like if you read any of my reviews, uh, I, I, I do okay with the romance, but what people really key in on are my, my villains, my bad people. Yeah. <laughs> so, and the tension and, and all of those sorts of things. And so those are the things that I've been really trying to key in on during the pandemic, because when, when we moved here, I became a full-time writer. So I've, I've got a lot more in a lot more time on my hands to uh, dive deeper into the craft. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. So I'm trying to, that's the reason I listen to podcasts like the thriller zone and, and some of the other podcasts and things and, and just audiobooks is I'm trying to understand that part of 
the writing that I do, the, the suspense, the thriller part of it, so that maybe I can enhance that. You know, I think I've got the romance part down. And I'll probably always have a little bit of a romance, a little bit of a relationship going on in my books. I because I enjoy that. I enjoy it when I'm watching movies. I enjoy it when I'm reading other books, whether they're romances or not. Uh, but I think now what I want to try and do is move towards what would I guess be more considered a, a mainstream thriller. I'd like to really try my hand at that and see if I can do that, see if I have the chops to do that. Well, my first piece of advice is do it because you you can just flat out write, period. Yeah. Uh, whether it's, listen, uh, for some reason, the movie Out of Sight popped into my head, which is kind of a crime-ish thriller story. However, there's a big whopping romance tied into the center of that buffet, right? There's romance in just about everything people be, don't be, like to. Because romance is in life. So you can be a stone cold killer and still have romantic feelings. I mean, it's peppered uh, throughout. Um, By the way, I made a couple of notes as I was going, and I just want to circle back around because of our association with um, Carolinas. Have you discovered and or been to yet a thing called Wild Acres not far from you? No. Okay. When we get off the line, uh, I'm going to dial you into Wild Acres because my sister and I, it's a, a writing retreat for creative writers and it's up in uh, in the Pisgah Mountains. Oh my gosh. No, I haven't heard anything about that. Sits on the top of the Pisgah Mountains, not 30 minutes from you, not 20 minutes from you probably. And it's once a year right in the fall and it's idyllic. So anyway, oh, we'll talk you. about that. Yes. Yeah. Secondly, you got to go to that period, end of discussion. I'm not taking no for an answer. <laughs> Secondly, I couldn't find any audio, <clears throat> any audio books on your website. Um, I probably wasn't looking in the right place. Yeah, we have um, the first three books in the Steel series, Going Hard, uh, Living Fast and Loving Deep. Uh, we have audio books of those. Okay. And we wanted to see how those were going to do um, before we did it. They're very expensive. So expensive to make. Well, you should talk to someone who does audiobooks and see if maybe they could. Uh... <laughs> oh, I I heard your um, I, I forgot what the, what you called that little segment that you did. Um, but if this scene could an talk, amazing job. Yes, you did an amazing job with that. Thank you. I love audiobooks, and my first Detective Pat Norelli series, uh, the Poser. I did that. Uh, did all the voices, all the characters, all the sound design. All right, I'll go. I'll go look that one up because yeah. we would love to do more audiobooks. We really would. We love to do, but they're just they're so expensive. All right, I'm not going to say that they're not expensive, but I am going to say there are ways around them being terribly expensive. Also, uh, my study and research shows because I spent an inordinate amount of time in research that audiobooks are posed to be potentially what ebooks did when it lit the scene. Yeah, they're big. Yeah, because people want to digest and multitask. So we need to talk about that. Primarily how I read now is audiobooks. I mean I'm I'm a huge audiobook, so I I love them. I, I understand their their popularity and benefit and versatility and yeah, no, it's great. As we get ready to wrap up, and I, I feel like I could talk to you all day long. And when Tammy and I come out in the fall to celebrate my sister's birthday again, because we missed her birthday, uh, I'm going to roll up the road right to where you are. You're going to have to come over and see the new house, and we're going to yeah. hang out. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. Anytime. Matter of fact, we might do an extra follow-up. Oh, this is another idea. I want to get all three of you girls on for a cooperative podcast in the future. Okay. How cool could right. that be? That would be fun. That would be a lot right. of fun. All right. Now, my question that I ask everyone, all my authors, right before we get into rapid fire questions is, I like to ask them their best piece of writing advice to future writers and my audience. Well, in my former life, I was a human resources professional. Wow. <laughs> so this is, this, is, uh, this is a little bit of the writer in me and a little bit of the HR person in me. But um, I think what I would say is treat treat your writing as you would any other profession right so learn your craft uh, try to understand the business side 
you know, and it, it really depends on where you're at. If you're a beginner writer, there's things that you just shouldn't worry about. You don't want to worry about the business side and, and all of that right now, but learning the craft is huge. I mean, um, and, and you can do that by, you know, reading craft books, or you can do that by, again, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying saying this just because I'm on your podcast, but author interviews, I listen to author interviews all the time because I pick up little nuggets from them, things that they've done that uh, they realize how, how it makes them more productive or um, uh, uh, just like a craft tip on how to uh, crank up the tension, you know, just little things like that. Um, I wasn't able to go to Thriller Fest this year. I wanted to really, really bad. I even signed up for it, but then, well, I won't go into all the details, but I ended up having to cancel, but I went and I purchased all of the, um, the, the, the recordings of all of the craft and thriller fest uh, workshops. And I've blown through those already. I mean, it's just constantly learning. It's just like continuing education in any other job or profession. Just, you might not use any of it. You might use one little teeny tiny nugget of what you heard. Um, But I, that's, that's my, uh, I guess my tip is just to uh, learn the craft learn the business side when it's appropriate to do so and make friends, <laughs> you yeah. know, network as much as you can. I'm going to say that this question at first, I was, uh, I did it out of uh, just inquisitiveness and it has become my favorite question for that very reason, because it's like a miniature crash course. It's like a, a miniature crash masterclass on what the particular authors think is the, their own little secret sauce, magic sauce, golden nugget, fill in the blank. Brad Thor was on last week. His was dynamite. You got to go back and listen to it. If you didn't get a chance to just dynamite, uh, uh, Amina Akhtar, uh, recently she had a good one. Uh, Dean Koontz has an entire masterclass in the upcoming, uh, in an episode and just, uh, Andrews Wilson. I mean, I can just rattle them off one after the other. Chris Hottie. And they all, that that one question has become the single best thing. So thank you for that. And that's great insight. And I like that. And uh, your HR background really pulled through for you. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Rapid fire questions. Good news. Hollywood has just come calling and wants to turn the Blackwells into a television series. Yeah, we're all like, wow. Oh, <laughs> now as one of the producers, they've asked you to be a producer. I don't know if you knew this or not. If you, oh, you, yeah, you got greenlit. So you, they, you get to help audition the leads. Now in this case, FBI special agent Westcott and her love interest, Zeke Blackwell, <laughs> who would you choose to play them? And I know you, listen, I already know that you got it in mind because I went to one of your website pages. <laughs> where is it? Is it for readers? And you're like, oh, this is where the people, this is who we would put in that place. If That's it was- right. Yeah. yeah. No, I always, I always do. I, it just gives me a visual. It doesn't necessarily mean that that's, you know, who I would necessarily want to be yeah. casted for the role, but yeah. it just gives me a, a, I'm a very visual person. And so I typically do have a, 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 a you know, a, a male lead and a female lead that I look at. And um, uh, the name is escaping me. Uh, Stephen Emerald, I think is if, if I've got his last name, right. He was the green arrow, you know, the DC okay. green arrow guy. So he, he's definitely Zeke um, just superficially okay sure. yeah 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 <laughs> um and then uh and then sarah rafferty is uh live and so she was in suits and some other things like that so those just visually um those two fit the bill well and half of it is visual and half of it is their uh, expertise as an actor we're not trying to drill down right. into their psyche right, right? right, right. well Here's a fancy part two to that question. Big surprise. What role would you play as a Hitchcockian cameo? <laughs> well, I think, do they have, we have a really good special effects artist yeah. uh, division. Okay. so Money is no turn, object. <laughs> if they could turn me into a 90 year old woman, I think I'd want to be Graham's. 
Okay. <laughs> she's like, she's like the rock of the family, you know, and she's yeah. just so wise or, you know, she's just so wise and she wears colorful socks and she yeah. gets to, you know, blast around the property on her utility vehicle and crashing it and things like that. So <laughs> I, I, that's what I want to be when I'm 90 years old. I want to be Grams. Nice. I like that. <laughs> I like that a lot. All right. Now, when you and your husband get away for vacation, do you spend your time reading or because that's your full time job? Do you do other things with your time? And if so, what's your favorite pastime? Uh, well, if we're doing a staycation, uh, it would be more we, we do a lot of exploring of our adopted state here. So we do a lot of hiking, kayaking you know, things like that. We'd like to go into some of these old mountain towns and just, you know, walk around, walk along main street and, and check out the the local stores and things like that. I love handcrafted items and, and that. Um, if we're just going to veg, then yes, I take, I take a couple of books with me and, and I'm not much of a beach bunny. I, I, I'm not, I'm not that, I'm not that girl, but, um, I would definitely, uh, I would definitely, if it's just, I need to clear the mind, it yeah. would be a reading vacation, but huh? we like to travel just to see new things that we're not, um, that we don't have here, you know, whether it's, you know, head out to Yellowstone and see some of the amazing, you know, natural features out there, or uh, we've been to places like Florence and, you know, Edinburgh and, 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 and just, enmeshing ourselves in other cultures and sure i love trying local food yeah who you know, doesn't so, yeah nice all right fourth and final you have gone out for a long hike there in the blue ridge mountains unfortunately you've gotten lost not oh, dangerously okay. lost but just yeah. lost or should i say misplaced um <laughs> thank goodness you thought ahead tracy and brought two items with you that could make your situation better until you get rescued so you brought along two extra things you thought ahead what are those two things and why i'm First, going to say my leatherman multi-tool and some rope <laughs> <laughs> Spoken like a true Girl Scout. <laughs> Nicely done. My Leatherman tool and some rope. <laughs> nice. All right. Folks, if you want to learn more, visit TracyDevlin.com and follow her on both Twitter and Instagram as I do. You should see her Instagram page. Forget about it. At Tracy Devlin. Girl, this was fun. Thank you, David. It was tons of fun. I appreciate it. The pleasure was mine. And of course, the book, once again, ladies and gentlemen, is Flashpoint. Um, Flashpoint has a bunch of double entendres up in there. <laughs> and when you get around to 43 and 44, there's others, but those stick out in my mind. You're going to enjoy yourself. <laughs> Maybe a glass of wine and a cigarette afterwards. But you're <laughs> There's chasing bad guys in there, too. There's plenty of chasing bad guys, and there's evil forces abounding everywhere. Yeah. Each turning thriller yeah. certainly we'll makes steamy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good. Thank you uh, again. Yeah, no problem. Say hello to Tammy. I, I watched your, your, your one-year anniversary, and I felt so bad for her. She is a trooper. She, she's got that big old brace on and it is uh, wearing her out. And she's only, what, two, three weeks in and it's supposed to be six, six to eight oh, weeks. So, boy. oh boy. Yeah. But she's an athlete, man. And she's built for speed. So once, you know, she was already saying last night, hey, listen, let's think about entering a, a race as soon as I get better. Let, there's a new hiking trail I want <laughs> Let's get you to where you can move from the yeah. living room to the bedroom without assistance. <laughs> yeah. It's all in the mindset. She's she's thinking about the future to get through the present. That's yeah. great. She's a rock star. And she's going to be reading chapter 43 and 44 later all tonight, right. I think. Okay, good. <laughs> Hope it all works out for you. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. All right. I have carved into your time, girl. It was great talking to you. This was so <laughs> much fun. It was again, and I appreciate you uh, being real good sport about the teasing you about romance and things like that. It's hundred percent really cool. It was super cool. 
Nothing, <laughs> n- you, 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 nothing gonna phase me. It's all good. Good. Okay. All right. All right I, will, well, I hope to meet you guys in person sometime, but until then, I'll see you online. Yes, ma'am. We'll be there in the fall and I uh, will be back in contact between then. But yeah, I'd love for you to swing by. We'll meet. We'll meet at the Marion Phil and stop with some okay. coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. Yeah. All right, David. Take Bye. care. Bye-bye. How much fun was that? Felt like old home week. Felt like I'd known her forever. Tracy Devlin. The book is Flashpoint. It's hot. <laughs> As you heard me beat over the head, she uh, she is a prolific writer. Speaking of prolific, and speaking of way, 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 way monstrously talented, but then again, all my guests are pretty monstrously talented. That's one of the reasons I love this show. What's not to love? You get to talk to really cool people, some of the best thriller writers in the world, writing some of the best books in the world, being turned into TV shows and movies. Oh, I love my job. All right. Next week, this guy right here, Brian Freeman. The book is The Born Sacrifice. And if you're a Robert Ludlum fan like me, who loves the Jason Bourne series, you are going to gobble up The Born Sacrifice. I promise you, actually, I promise you, this book is in my top 10 summer reads for 2022, which I should probably do a little miniature show about. Huh. Maybe I'll do that and throw that in next week because I have top 10s. I got them. And Born Sacrifice is right there. Ryan Freeman, for whatever reason, I thought the guy was kind of cool and chill and laid back. He's got energy. He's got energy to boot. And the guy can right flat out right what they're saying about this book is all true anyway do me a favor join me next thursday for ryan freeman right here on the thriller zone in the meantime i want to say thank you to my prime sponsors warwick's bookstore our new sponsor let me tell you you want to who doesn't love a good bookstore you want to go to a bookstore and just spend a languorous couple of hours looking at books talking to the folks who work there that's now if you're in la jolla san diego area that's great you can also go online browse online warwicks.com anyway thank you to them thank you to authorbytes.com for always being there building websites for a lot of our author friends these guys know how to do it they get it done right so thank you both also thank you for your five-star reviews i wouldn't mind a couple more this week i mean if you're loving this podcast and you've got the time and, and you're listening on Apple or Google, or wherever you listen to your podcast, if you took just two minutes and wrote a review, that'd mean a lot to me. And if you want a real clear, easy destination point, you can also go to thethrillerzone.com, write your review there. Please do that. We'd love to hear from you. As always, thank you for always being there. Thank you for listening. Thank you for helping this show grow fast like it is. I'm so thrilled to be here for you. I'm David Temple, your host. I'll see you next time for another edition of The Thriller Zone. Your favorite authors, The Thriller Zone. The Thriller Zone has been presented by The Story Factory and the visionary genre-bending debut novel Grand Theft AI by James Cox. The Matrix meets Blade Runner. Grand Theft AI is available now for pre-order from your favorite bookseller.